Hello and welcome to the Homeschool Conversations Africa podcast. Here we discuss homeschooling from the African perspective and the unique challenges that come with it. If you're considering homeschooling, we hope to inspire you as you take this bold step. If you're already a homeschooler, we are here to share encouragement for this wonderful journey we are on to educate our children in the best way we can. We are your host, Jifa Andam and Carissa Nete Marbel. Let's dive right into today's conversation. Hello, dear friend. You're warmly welcome to season three of the Homeschool Conversations Africa podcast. Before our first episode, Carissa and I want to take a moment to give thanks to God and to say a special thank you to you all for your constant support and encouragement. We certainly couldn't have made it this far without you. We trust that you're being encouraged, inspired, and maybe even challenged by the interviews and discussions that take place. We eagerly anticipate all that the season has in store for us. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Homeschool Conversations, on Facebook at Homeschool Conversations Africa Podcast, and share these episodes far and wide. Thank you once again. Take care and God bless you. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Homeschool Conversations Africa podcast. We're excited to have you here with us again. Thank you for always tuning in. And today we are very privileged to have two of our friends with us who've already been on the show. Um, it was great to have them when they came on. They were very resourceful and we're glad to have them back with us today. And today is very special because I get to actually see and touch them. Is it right? <laughs> right next to me. Yeah. Um, so they are Tommy Lola and Adeshola. Um, Tommy has two kids, two boys, four and eight months. Five. He's five. Oh, sorry. Five and eight months. And Adeshola four-year-old boy, okay, and a two-year-old girl, yes, and today we're going to be talking about um, homeschooling little ones, like, is that even, can you homeschool little ones, yes, no, and if so, you know, how, how do you go about it, so I just, um, we thought they'll be the best people to have today um, to help us to have this discussion because they do it pretty well. Um, they're both on Instagram. I'm sure some of you follow them, but if you don't, you can check out their um, pages on Instagram at the cuddle blog and at raisin.id. Okay, so we'll put them in the show notes as well. So welcome, ladies. Um, we're glad to have you on the show with us today. Carissa um, is also here. As always, sorry, Karen, <laughs> far from us, but. <laughs> and um, just uh, just a little, what, sh- should I say, warning to our listeners. We are, what, three moms, four moms on the show today, and we do have children. So if you hear some children, <laughs> that, this is like, this is real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so do bear with us. 
All right, so welcome. Thank you. Um, um, Carissa, do you have anything to say before you join the panel today? <laughs> no, just to say welcome to our, our, our two friends. It's good to have you back again. Thank, Thank you. you. Okay. All right, so we're going to get right to our very first question because um, we've received this question a number of times. Um, people have written and asked this, and I know you have to. Adeshola, have you um, told me about what to do? Like people say, oh, I have a, an 18 month old or I have a 15 month old and I'd like to homeschool them. What do I do or what <laughs> curriculum can I use or something like that? And um, the question has come up over and over again. So we thought that we should just address it and talk about it. Mm -hmm. So my first question to you ladies, um, all you three ladies, since it's been so long since I was there. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, can you homeschool a toddler? Tell me first. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Can yeah. you can you um, speak a bit more on that for us? Um. So, if it's possible to homeschool a toddler, yes. I mean, there. Yeah. I think they're the ones that need the most guidance, I think. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's possible. And um, what will come next will be, what do you do? Um, so, can you homeschool a toddler? Um, I don't know. Sometimes I kind of <laughs> feel like a bit of an imposter when, when you say, <laughs> when I say I'm a homeschooler because I don't feel like my children are of school age yet um so my children are four and two and in the uk where you know i was brought up um children start school at the age of six and a lot of europe so for me we're just living life <laughs> really yeah. you know what i mean we're we're learning through um yeah just living life so i don't really see what we're doing at this age as homeschooling in this in that sense mm -hmm. you know what i mean so yeah for, for me it's like this is just time to help them you know see the world as it is and learn simple basic skills like walking and talking and seeing the world around them and yeah so for me i wouldn't really class it as schooling yet mm -hmm. in that sense yeah okay yeah mm -hmm. that makes sense carissa what do you think um, I think I agree to some extent with um, Adishola, um because they're so young. I mean, there's only so much that you can do. <laughs> um, a lot of the time, they want to just be on their own and you know explore and you know do things. But I do think that you can do certain things with them if you have. You can, you can do certain things with them with intention. Um, I think you can be intentional about the things that you expose them to. I think um, you can be intentional about the experiences that they have and some of the skills that they pick up even from a young age. So I think that there are certain things that you can do, but it's definitely not going to look anything like a child that is like six or seven that is in school, right? So... 
yeah, that's right. Okay, so what I'm hearing is, I think the I think the question then is what what you define homeschooling as, right? So, um, mm-hmm. some of us may see homeschooling as when formal edu- like some sort of formal education starts, or you know, some sort of structured um, structured education starts. But if you, if if somebody just sees it as things they do with their kids at home that they are intentional about, then they may think that that's homeschooling. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. So it really depends on how you define it, but whether you call it homeschooling or not, I think the, the spirit behind the question is people do want to see their children develop. People want to be sure that they're giving their kids the best that they can. So the question still stands. Um, what what do we do with kids who are that young? How do we um, help them to develop to to the max um, um, to grow as well as they can? Yeah. What what are some things that you ladies have done, or even if you haven't done it, but you can share with us? This just get right into it. Okay. So. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I would say that most especially because of the climate that we're in, mm-hmm. um, a lot of Nigerians, I, I don't know a lot about the whole of Africa, but for Nigerians, I know that, and plus the ones I've interacted with, everybody wants to just say, okay, give me what to do. Mm-hmm. What can I do? And I think dependent on, you know, you, you have to have known what you're doing first before you say, oh, um, I don't see it as homeschooling mm-hmm. at this age, right? Mm-hmm. But there are people that, yeah, there are people that they just want to write. What, yeah. what do you want me to do? And for that, I would say, first, um, children that age, they need structure. Mm-hmm. And by structure, I don't mean strict, okay, wake up eight o'clock. Um, I don't mean time-based structure. Mm-hmm. I mean structure in the sense that just have something like a schedule. Like a routine. Like a routine. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, like a routine. More of a routine than just saying, oh, they have to wake up at 8 mm-hmm. or they have to wake up at 9 mm-hmm. or be at swimming at 10 mm-hmm. and all of that. Maybe not all of that. Mm-hmm. But you can have swimming. Yeah. But we have swimming every Thursday. Mm-hmm. We have, or we go out we go out every Friday at whenever, but yeah. we go out every Friday. We go, that's what I mean by structure. So have a new structure around what your children do, yeah. especially at that age. So even they're waking up, there should be a what comes next, mm. what comes next. So not necessarily by timing, okay. but this comes next. So you give them a, a sense of um, belonging. Mm. You give them that structure that they need, even as um, toddlers, because they really do need mm. the structure. Because if you notice with toddlers, if they don't have that structure, they are more cranky, mm. they are more all over the place, mm-hmm. right? So I believe, first of all, most important thing is have a structure around whatever you're doing, regardless of whatever homeschool route you're taking, mm-hmm. like whether you're on, on schooling or you're doing school at home mm-hmm. or whatever, that structure is really, really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. You make a great point because children do, they like to be free, but within that freedom, they still do want some mm-hmm. boundaries. Yeah. And, yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes, and so that yes, that's excellent. Adeshola, do you wanna add anything? Um uh what was the question again? <laughs> like okay, so how can we do that? How can parents help their kids? Parents are okay, thinking I okay, have a one okay. and a half year old. Yes. What can I do? So um from when I was pregnant, I already started reading books to baby in my belly and it's something that has been a constant um, even from moving from the UK to Nigeria reading and books has been a constant in our daily life um, it's something that my kids love they're not reading yet and I'm not worried <laughs> I'm not worried about either and you shouldn't be either parents uh, my mm-hmm. son is four and he's um, he he's memorized his favorite books mm-hmm. um, but he you know and he's eager about learning, but he's not reading um, fluently yet. And um, yeah, I mean, Tommy's points about structure are very important. Um, we 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 slow school, so it's kind of it's a very loose structure. But we definitely have a routine that we follow. It's normally um, they wake up when they're ready. And not most days by 10 a.m. we're out of the house. Mm-hmm. And um, as Carissa uh, mentioned about um, kind of uh, just uh, being intentional about the experiences that we uh, expose our young people to, I think it's very important that uh, that's, part of what's helping them to grow and develop as well. So you as a parent have to be very conscious and intentional and watch your children and see how what's the best way to help them develop really in the early years, mm. I think. Mm. Thank you. So um, you ladies make a great point and I like that you mentioned the context that we find ourselves. So it's not just Nigeria. I think it's other African countries too. Um, where you have preschools already and um, people for one reason or another do have to send their kids to school at age one, one and a half and two. And I think the schools to feel like they, you know, they have to show what they're doing, right? Yeah. So they're teaching kids, like you said, there's a lot of pressure to know how to write your letters or know how to read by, you know, whatever early age. So there's that, you know, competition out there. So I want you ladies, um, Carissa, all of you to convince parents, please. <laughs> when people ask, okay, maybe I'm on the other side, right? Now a little bit, <laughs> thank you. I just want to tell people, relax, like just, just let your child play, but let's please help me. Let's convince yes. her that it is okay, you know, because they, you know, you look around and you do see your friend's child who goes to school and they're like, oh, they're three and they're reading yeah. or they're, you know, yeah. and there's that pressure. They People are, do yeah. feel like, oh my goodness, my child is behind or they're not gonna, you know, know anything. So what do, what do you ladies have to say about this? So I think I, I can definitely understand and um, empathize <laughs> with parents who feel like that because I feel like that a lot of the time too. Um, but I've realized that, you know, it's much easier to teach a child something when they're like six or seven 
than when they are like two. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I, I do think you can still um, do certain things, you know, bit by bit. Um, you can introduce them to certain things at a gradual pace. But by the time they are like seven, they are, their reasoning capacity is like much, much higher for like, um, and so it doesn't take as much time or as much effort or energy um, for them to learn certain things. So I can understand. And I think sometimes if parents feel like they need to do something, maybe then they, they should do something, right? Because I think a lot of times we don't want to feel like um, we're just wasting away the time or like the years. Um, I think we all feel like, okay, maybe you should be doing something profitable, like not just like running around the house all the time. Um, so if I feel like if parents feel like they need to do something, then they need, then they should do something. But then you just have to adjust your expectations that this is a two-year-old or this is a three-year-old yeah. and they only have like a five or 10 minutes attention span. And so what you can do in that time is a lot less, you know, than um, what you can do with an older child. Yeah. And I've, like in, in talking to and speaking with like older children, I realized that, you know, it's, it's all a matter of time um, and everything will kind of fall into place. I mean, even with her, like when she was younger, you know, you worry about certain things like, okay, she's going to do this. You know, like, is she going to figure it out? And then, you know, all of a sudden she's figured it out. And then you realize, like, you know, you just have to be patient. Like, growing takes time. (laughs) So you kind of just have to, like, relax and realize that, okay, they will get it in time. Um, But I guess I I totally can understand and I can definitely relate. Like, we, we all want our children to be prodigies. Like, okay. They were, you know, um, playing the guitar at three and reading at three and you know, <laughs> doing all of that. So I, I can understand why parents feel like they need to do all of the things. But, yeah, I think it's all just with time. You know, everything comes together with time. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for, thanks for that encouragement. It, it reminds me of potty training when I was potty training the kids so with my oldest there were some family members and friends who were just like you know she has to be potty trained by like one and something (laughs) and I was doing it and I tried but it was so frustrating right because she wasn't ready and then I think eventually, you know, we got to that. But by the time I got to my second child, I had read somewhere like it's best to wait till they are ready and then try it. And lo and behold, that was like such a quick process, you know. So I really learned from that, this whole thing about there is a time when children are ready for something. I mean, you can keep, I think you can keep presenting opportunities you know for them right you make things available but yes it's so much easier (laughs) when they're ready instead of fighting your way you know your way through so yeah what have you had any experiences like (laughs) yeah so what I would say is what I would say to that is that 
um, know your child. Mm. It's very important to know your child because, well, the, the idea at the end of the day is you're not forcing a child to do what they're not ready to do. Mm-hmm. If your child is ready at three years old to read, mm-hmm. you wouldn't stop the child, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but what we see is that the schools are just giving a blanket statement to all the children and saying they must read at so and so, and they must read at this or they must write at this. But if your child is ready to write at three or four and they are showing the interest, then you know you can go ahead. That will now inform what you're presenting to the child. Mm-hmm. But you're not forcing the child to say, this is the time you should do this, or this is the time you should do that. Mm-hmm. My son is five. Mm-hmm. Well, you say your son, so my son is five. Mm-hmm. He doesn't read, he doesn't write. Mm-hmm. Right? So somewhere like, oh, they give him a pen to write your name. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and I was like, oh no, he doesn't write yet. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it's not such a big deal, but if you meet my son, the last thing you'll be thinking about is if he's reading or writing. That's true. (laughs) The last thing you'll be thinking about is if he's reading or writing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it is do away with the blankets or the curriculum says that the next thing Mm -hmm. is reading or at four years of the next thing is writing. What I tell people to focus on is what they are developmentally ready to do. Mm-hmm. So for example, if you Google, what should my three-year-old be doing? Mm-hmm. Or developmentally, right? Mm-hmm. Not academically. Mm-hmm. So developmentally, they should be able to maybe walk backwards mm-hmm. or they should be able to jump on one feet. Mm-hmm. So what are the things that you can do to enhance those things that he should or she should be doing developmentally, mm-hmm. right? So they, they talk about the five skills that, you know, toddlers and children should have. Mm-hmm. The um, fine motor skills, the gross motor skills, mm-hmm. those for me are more important mm-hmm. when they are toddlers than just saying, oh, this is the academic part. Mm-hmm. So it's finding activities around those things mm-hmm. and presenting them to the child, ensuring that your environment at home is conducive enough for your child to explore and you're not just shouting no no don't touch this don't touch this every time is your is your environment at home do you have enough books like additional said do you have enough books that are low that your child can go and pick up you know are there different resources that you see that okay until your child sees maybe a map somewhere he can then be interested in a map but if not how will he know a map exists mm-hmm. he wouldn't but if you create your environment such that there's everything. Of course, gradually you accumulate as you go on. <laughs> you can't get everything because they do get expensive. But once you start, you know, building up your library, building up the resources that are in the house, toys, um, educational toys, open-ended toys that are in the environment. So you're not forcing your child, right? It's already there in the environment. So they can go pick it up and say, then they can ask the asking questions. Oh, what is this? What is that? Why is this and why is that? And when, like, your son came here now, I was asking about the microphone. But if the microphone wasn't there, he wouldn't ask about it. So it's just basically that your environment can then inform what you do. So present different 
various opportunities for your child to be able to see that this is possible in the world. Then they can now ask questions. Then their interest can continue to grow. But if they don't see it, they won't know. Some people's way of doing it is by going out, like I guess, and they go to different places. They see different things, then they can ask questions, like oh, this and that. Then you're always there to answer questions. Mm-hmm. And that's how they learn. Yeah. So for me, that's it. Ensure that the environment is conducive enough for your child to explore. And if your child is ready for it, don't stop them. Mm, yeah. Mm. Thank you. That's great. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do show that, and maybe even Carissa too afterwards, since you, you ladies have kids who are two, um, I would like you to speak about what you do with like an 18 month old, just kids around that age, between one and two, because I feel like it's easier with the three, four, five year olds. I don't know. I'm thinking this. I'm thinking you can find much more. Okay, here's this puzzle, you know, do it. Initially, um, we started off very Montessori-led, um, which meant that I presented just simple activities, like one, no, we had a shelf, bookshelf of six blocks, and there'll be six different activities on that shelf for the child to explore by themselves. And this starts from when they start crawling and they can reach the bottom shelf. So it would be something very simple maybe it's just something touchy-feely you can have little sensory baskets you can put different colors and things for them to just explore and start mm-hmm. working with their senses so that's that was zero to three years and also um me and tommy we also do circle time which is uh, in the early years their attention span is a few minutes so mm-hmm. you're you're looking at maybe you'll get through a few nursery rhymes together, you'll try, you know, you'll do a story and maybe you'll introduce them to some simple things like colors, alphabets, you can sing the alphabet song, uh, sing one to ten. And it's just something to start um, giving them that idea of structure and, and you know, start learning in, in that way. And I think that's an you know, easy kind of thing to put into your routine. It doesn't have to be more than five minutes. And I think it's a nice way to start with the younger years if you want to um, do something, if you feel like you need to do something practical mm-hmm. um, with your zero to three years. That's that's how we started and that's how my children learned the basics mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Thank yes. you. Do you. Do you have a, a link that maybe you could share with us uh, that we uh, talked about yes. the station? Yes, okay, I, will, so I will share some Maybe we could include Definitely. that to give people a better idea since they can't see pictures or anything. Yes. Um, Carissa, do you have any? Um, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> I feel like I have a lot to say. My answer is going to be very long. <laughs> um, so I think um, one, one big thing for me in the beginning was um, um, something I read by Charlotte Mason, um, which says that a child is a person. And in the beginning when I read it, it didn't really seem to make a lot of sense. 
But when I had my daughter, I realized that I, I needed to see her as a full and complete individual and treat her with respect as such. Um, I needed to understand her as a person, give her the same considerations that I would give an adult. Um, I needed to speak to her with respect. I needed to, um, I needed to see her like not not like just you know like an afterthought or just somebody that's just you know around drinking breast milk all the time, you know. Um. So, I think one one big thing for me was. When, even when I went from when she was a baby, I would speak to her like I would speak like I was speaking to anybody else. I would speak to her like she understood. I would speak to her like um, she understood me. You know, I would you know as we go along through the, throughout the day, I would narrate what I was doing with her. Okay, this is a ball. This is a chair. I'm changing the diaper now. Um, all of those things. Um, I think. They helped her a lot in, in, in terms of building up her vocabulary. And um, I think at a very young age, I mean, as when you're a mother, I feel like you can see things about your child that other, thing, other people may not necessarily see. And I feel like from a very young age, I could see that like thing in her eye, like she understood me or she got me, you know. So um, that's one thing. Um, in the beginning, we also started up very Montessori, but we kind of had to tweak tweak the Montessori um, to suit us in the sense that with Montessori, I, there's, there's a lot of like um, material that you have to get. Mm-hmm. And on this side of the world, getting those things is not always the cheapest thing. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we got some of the things we got. I feel like there are some cute like Montessori toys that are very helpful when they're like, zero to one years to build like fine motor skills and you know learn like cause and effect and things like that so yeah if you can get some of those toys i think i will suggest that you do and because they're made out of wood they usually tend to last um a lot longer so you could pass them on to other children but i realized that um we were kind of montessori in our own way at home with the things that we had available to us. 